Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys part three of our series covering 9-11. So grab your fire department coffee and let's dive in. This episode, we're going to be wrapping up our series covering 9-11, and we're going to be talking about some more of the aftermath along with some conspiracies that came out of 9-11. So a name that I think a lot of people are probably pretty familiar with is Osama bin Laden. I'm going to tell you guys briefly about Osama bin Laden and the development of the terrorist group Al-Qaeda. So Osama bin Laden was born in Saudi Arabia, and I do want to say right off the bat, if I mispronounce something in this, I'm doing my absolute best. But some of these words I'm obviously not extremely familiar with. And even with looking up pronunciation, I'm not the best at pronouncing it. So he was born in 1957 or 1958. It's not fully known. He was born to a man named Mohammed bin Laden, who, and he was the 17th child of Mohammed out of the 52 children that he had. How many? Mohammed bin Laden had a total of 52 children. Holy crap. And Osama bin Laden was the 17th born. I did not know that. I did not either. I will be honest. I never had really looked into Osama bin Laden prior to this, other than knowing about his terrorist acts. But I found that to be a kind of interesting fact. So Mohammed bin Laden was pretty well known in Saudi Arabia. He did own the largest construction company in that area. As Osama bin Laden got older, he obviously was a part of the religion Islam. However, this was not just a religion for him. It was really just a way of life for him and other people living in Saudi Arabia. In 1988, Osama bin Laden did create the group that we now know as Al-Qaeda, which means the base. So their main purpose was to do quote-unquote symbolic acts of terrorism which we obviously have seen especially in the last two parts of our series that we've been referring that we've been talking about in early 1989 osama bin laden did leave saudi arabia and went to sudan he kind of spent a year there preparing al-qaeda for their first attack and The first attack that they did was exploding a bomb in a hotel in Yemen, which was at that time housing American troops who were heading to Somalia for a peacekeeping mission. Thankfully, out of all of the people staying there at this time, only two people died. Unfortunately, the two people that did die were Austrian tourists that just happened to be near the hotel at the time. And none of the American military members did die in this attack. At this point, Osama bin Laden pretty much knew there was probably a target on his back and on Al-Qaeda's back because they had officially attacked American troops. So at this point, he is like, I need to be able to escape arrest. I'm not going to prison for this. So he does move from Sudan to Afghanistan in 1996. During all of this time, Al-Qaeda is still continuing to attack. So I'm going to briefly talk about those. On August 7th, 1998, two bombs went off simultaneously at two U.S. embassies, 
one in Kenya and one in Tanzania. In Kenya, 213 people were killed in the explosion and 4,500 were injured. And in Tanzania, 11 people were killed and 85 were injured. Al-Qaeda did come out and say that they were the ones that had bombed these embassies and they did want to take credit for it. Another attack came on October 12th, 2000, when a small boat that was full of explosives ended up hitting an American naval destroyer that was off the coast of Yemen. And this killed 17 sailors and injured 38 This was once again an incident that Al-Qaeda did take credit for. A federal grand jury did indict Osama bin Laden on charges related to the embassy bombings, but there was no defendant, so obviously there could be no trial. This was all obviously during the time where Al-Qaeda was planning their biggest attack, and that is the attack on September 11th, 2001 against the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. In August of 2010, when Barack Obama was president of the United States, he did lead an attack on Osama bin Laden, and U.S. troops traced Osama bin Laden to a compound in Pakistan, and for many months, agents were watching the house that he was staying in, and had drones that were taking photographs, and I'm sure Osama bin Laden probably had an idea that he was being watched, but they decided on May 2nd, 2011, or May 1st for where we were for the United States time zone, a team of Navy SEALs ended up coming onto his compound and finding Osama bin Laden in an upstairs bedroom and ended up shooting him in the head and chest and killed him instantly. In the United States on May 2nd, 2011, President Obama did have a public announcement from the White House stating that the United States had killed Osama bin Laden on May 1st. And I have a little quote from him uh, while he's giving this announcement. So this is a direct quote from President Obama. Quote, today at my direction, the United States launched a targeted operation against that compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. A small team of Americans carried out the operation with extraordinary courage and capability. No Americans were harmed. They took care to avoid civilian casualties. After a firefight, they killed Osama bin Laden and took custody of his body. For over two decades, bin Laden has been al-Qaeda's leader and symbol and has continued to plot attacks against our country and our friends and allies. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. Yet his death does not mark the end of our effort. There's no doubt that al-Qaeda will continue to pursue attacks against us. We must and we will remain vigilant at home and abroad. End quote. And that is just a small excerpt from the announcement that he made on May 5th. May 2nd, 2011. And if you want to read the whole thing, there will be a link in our description for that. Osama bin Laden's body was taken into custody, like President Obama had stated, and they took it out of the compound by helicopter and flew it to an aircraft carrier in the Indian Ocean. And from there, they ended up burying his corpse at sea. At this point, Osama bin Laden's son, Hamza bin Laden did end up taking over Al-Qaeda and he kind of was in control of that terrorist group for about eight years. And then in September of 2019, President Trump did state that Hamza bin Laden had also been killed in a counterterrorism operation. So... At this point in 2021, Al-Qaeda does still exist. However, the people that were mainly in charge of the 9-11 attacks that we've been talking about 
are no longer alive or in charge of leading this terrorist group. So we don't have a smooth transition for this one, but we we wanted to just kind of wrap up that story that we've been telling you and follow it up with a little bit more of the aftermath stuff, but in terms of conspiracies. So as you all may know, 9-11 conspiracies are a very popular topic. People do like to talk about them. Who, I mean, who doesn't love a good conspiracy? But something we did find out, we originally planned to kind of go in depth maybe a little bit on some 9-11 conspiracies and quickly found out that a lot of them, at least to us in our minds, are a little goofy and out there, so much so that they don't require a lot of depth. So what we're going to do is just kind of talk about conspiracies and a little bit of them surrounding 9-11 and maybe comment on a couple of them. So I want to start off with just talking about the fact that people love a conspiracy theory. I know I do. Erica does. They're I think they're fun and they're just, it's a good conversation. But in terms of 9-11, there's a lot of talk about how they erupted. One, because of the like heightened media that followed 9-11, including images and videos and lots of visual aids to help people question things that probably or maybe didn't need to be questioned, I guess. But it also can be used as maybe a little bit of a coping mechanism. Like they're hard, people are having a hard time accepting the extremity of the situation. So this is an outlet. And there's a whole lot of psychology around conspiracy theories that you can look into. But um, something that did come up from 9-11 in the world of conspiracies is this group of people that are referred to as the truthers basically people looking for the quote unquote truth of what actually happened for 9-11. And I mean, this isn't like a necessarily official title of people who believe something else occurred, but it's just a name that has come up to kind of describe that situation. Because we live in an age where there is the internet and people can communicate and people can, you know, say what they want, whether they even truly believe it or not. Conspiracy theories about 9-11 are, are plentiful. It's hard to really, you know, kind of guess how many people truly believe that there was a conspiracy behind the 9-11 attacks. But there are entities that have looked into it, who have done polls, and, and especially initially after the 9-11 attacks within the first decade or so, a lot of people did truly believe that something else was going on, whether that be something as extreme as like projectors being up and nothing actually happening to maybe someone other than Al-Qaeda was involved. There's a wide range of these conspiracies and so much so that different entities look into all the conspiracies, highlight them, and then fact check them and they're basically like, hey, this is why it didn't happen. Popular Mechanics actually even did a whole special report where they compiled a list of 16 common conspiracies around this and then went through them, the information surrounding them, and basically debunked all of them and what their eyes are. Of course, everybody has their own opinion, and Erica and I can't discredit that. But a lot of these are really goofy. Um, they're, like I mentioned, I have heard about one where people believe that there was just projections up and no planes actually hit the Twin Towers or the Pentagon, which is truly a wild one in my eyes. Uh, but there's some that aren't as extreme, but still like, mm, 
probably didn't happen and have been debunked one way or another. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I think the projector one is probably the most far out there one because there's just so many questions about that like one were there projectors that were projecting the world trade center the entire time and then they projected this crash and then no longer projected them or is there now a projection over top of where the world trade center still stands that's projecting this memorial or like i want to know more in depth about what more the thought process if you guys on a little side note that relates to this if you guys watched the newer spider-man movie that's what i'm picturing in my head it's like them thinking that that and even that had a few plot holes with the whole be everything being projected but i just out of all of the conspiracy theories that i've heard that seems the most unlikely to me not that i believe any of them i full-heartedly believe al-qaeda did it but i just want to point that out but that one just seems the most out there yeah, I, I would agree. And thank you for saying the Spider-Man movie because I was trying to figure out what movie it was that I'd seen something similar. <laughs> that is absolutely it. Side note, great movie. Definitely recommend watching it. And sorry if we just spoiled it for you. Oh, yeah. Sorry if you haven't. <laughs> also, it's been out for over a yeah. year. I think it's been out for over two years. Oh, so, yeah. So that's on You that. guys, it's on you. The conspiracy theory that I have found is one that comes up in every sort of national disaster you hear it with sandy hook you hear it with 9-11 you hear it with what's another jfk with jfk i mean it's just it's always going to come around as an option in the back of people's minds and that is that it's a government plot or the government planned it part of the reason people believe that i guess is because at the pentagon the hole that was in the building there it's apparently way too small to have been caused by a passenger plane so people are like there's no way that it was taken over by a terrorist group and then crashed somebody from the government had to have crashed it as abby was talking about popular mechanics have looked into a lot of these conspiracy theories and they did kind of debunk this and they said that it that hole specifically was just due to only one wing really hitting the Pentagon and the other one hitting the ground in front of the Pentagon. With the plane that was that ended up being crashed by passengers in Pennsylvania, a theory with that one is that it was actually shot down by a business jet that was part of the government that had decided to take this plane down for no reason. There were apparently at least six eyewitnesses that came forward saying they did see a small white jet flying over the crash area almost immediately after the flight went down. Popular mechanics did say that there was a white jet in the area, but it was a jet owned by VF Corp from North Carolina, which is a clothing company. 
So it's believed that the witnesses that saw this supposed white jet flying over the crash area actually saw the plane that belonged to this apparel company. Another thing that people bring up with the government being a part of it is that jet fuel cannot melt steel beams, supposedly. So people are like, it had to have been destroyed by explosives and not from jet fuel burning it. But the report says that the where the planes crashed actually hit the columns of both the towers and basically got rid of any fireproofing that the buildings had. Well, and not to mention, it doesn't need to melt it. Um, a building like that, especially with how tall it is, you just need the structural incapability there. And surely that heat and impact would cause the structure to not hold in the same way that it's supposed to, to hold up that much weight. And I mean, from an architecture and an engineering standpoint, it's no surprise that it was not able to withhold that. Well, uh, it's stated that the fires reached up to 1000 degrees Celsius in some areas of the building, which is equal to 1832 degrees Fahrenheit, which in case you were curious, is pretty freaking hot. If you do look it up, the melting point for steel is 2,500 to 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty close to it. We're not quite there. But as Abby said, it's enough to destroy the structural integrity of the building. And then that that's it. Like, these buildings were almost 1,800 feet tall, which is very high and obviously needs a lot of support in order to continue to stand up tall. I mean, I I kind of get some of that theory in an aspect in a certain aspect, but also when you start to think about it, it doesn't have to melt the steel, it just has to like we said, impact the integrity of the structure. If any of you listeners have any fun kind of goofy conspiracy theories that you want to share with us, please let us know. Uh, I'm always Eric and I both are always really interested in those kind of things, Um, even if they're absolutely ridiculous, like the projector one. Just let us know what you think and what ones you've come across. I know that there's a lot of them out there, so please let us know. And thank you for listening to this series. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.